The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. All right, y'all, it's Florida State time. For that, I'm going to bring on my man, Brendan Snow, Knowles 24-7, the best, the absolute best Florida State site in the business. And um, I'm excited to talk this one. I've actually done summer school in Tallahassee, so like the only school I think I've ever done summer school in. <laughs> Brendan, what's going on, man? Hey, Bud. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back again uh, with with even more optimism than than last year's summer school. Moving in the right direction. That, that that's a nice thing for business and just personally as well. A, a t- if if they overachieve this year, like they overachieved the, the expectations last year, you better cancel all those plans for for December or January. That's, that's going to be a lot of lot, lot of travel for for the playoff run. Let's recap last year briefly. Uh, did win ten ball games for the first time in quite a while. Bill Connolly had him 27th in his final SP Plus ratings. Uh, some services kind of had him, you know, 15th. But I think probably nobody lower than 30th. So a, a marked I- improvement. What, what was the area on this team that you were just blown away by the improvement of? The passing game in general. And I think as far I went back before I started to do uh, this episode and listened to last year's, just to kind of hear some of the talking points, the things we were optimistic on, things we were pessimistic on. I, I like to think that was one of, if not the – a leaders of the Jordan Travis fan club. And even last year on this thing, I, I thought that he was maybe capped as an average passer at the power five level. He ended up, I mean, depending on what service you, you recommend and, and listen to like pro football focus had him as the number one passer in power five. 
his QBR pre ESPN was also like top five. So, so what Jordan Travis did far exceeded even my expectations, which I thought were pretty lofty to go into it. And, and so much of that is his growth and uh, the strides he's made, the way the offense was built around him with Mike Gravel and Alex Atkins and Tony Tokars. I thought they all did a really great job with Jordan and the wide receivers, but I think we're just better than I thought they would be. Johnny Wilson specifically, like, turned into a guy who's like a fringe household name going into this year because he's so unique in what he does. And he had one game of the dropsies, maybe maybe two. Uh, those were things we were concerned about. It cost him against NC State, but generally, like, he was one of the most explosive wide receivers in the country. So all that kind of melded together to far exceed, I think, what we thought Florida State could do uh, from an explosiveness and balance standpoint on offense. And, and yeah, I think that probably gets you a win or two higher than, than what we were expecting going into the year. Let's let's jump right into the offense. I know my, my friend Bill Connolly had him 33rd last year. I, I found myself constantly adjusting the offensive rating in, in my betting system up mm-hmm. to where, like, I'm like there's no way they're going to score you know this little points. And, and to finally, like, there was something they were doing that some of the advanced metrics weren't capturing. And I think part of it is is Jordan's efficiency there and, and his growth. I mean, 49% success rate on dropbacks, like pretty rarely sacked, right? I mean, yeah. sacks on 4% of his dropbacks is nuts. Protected the football, 24 and 5. Touchdown interception. It's sort of absurd. Like, I'm not going to imply that the guy is capped out. Everybody can get better. If he can get better, where, where, <laughs> where can he get better? Because, like, he's pretty much – they're getting they're very close to getting everything they can get out of him, I think. But like if if it's possible, where can he get better? I, I thought he had capped out last spring as a passer. And I was like, maybe he's an average passer, that's fine. And uh, above well above average running ability, like that's a good power five quarterback, right? And and he kept growing. So like in general, bud, and, and this applies to Jordan Travis, because I think he's really much so like the embodiment of what Mike Norvell has done with this program as far as like maximizing assets and gradual growth year over year i think jordan represents that super well uh and so what i'm going to say about jordan i think is reflective of the entire program under mike Norvell, i haven't seen the ceiling yet i guess and i could predict a ceiling you can predict a ceiling like i think we could think that maybe it's coming for jordan but i've learned to to not set that as like the ultimate expectation um so if, if he does keep progressing i mean just even last year like we didn't think he could attack the middle of the field and then he ended up being right. one of the best quarterbacks in the country in attacking the middle of the field. And part of that was that was what defenses were giving them, but that was the evolution in his game. It's like there wasn't a, a marked weakness of things that he couldn't do. Uh, so as we enter 2023 season, like if Jordan Travis continues to grow, then the Heisman hype that he has is legitimately like it, it's realistic. It's warranted to at least be in the conversation. I know Caleb Williams and, and Drake may are going to get more fanfare and deservedly. So I think for what they did last year, but like, Jordan's supporting cast is going to be better than it was last year, at least on paper. Like they add, I know we'll get into it. They add skill talent. They bring back most key pieces on the offensive line and probably improve the offensive line. I think the defense will be a little bit better too, which should give Jordan the ball more too. Like, man, there's, there's a lot of reason for optimism in his game. Uh, even in the spring, like his good moments were as good as we've ever seen them. Like when he, when he throws the ball and, and rips it now, it's with a level of confidence. That's been the biggest thing about his game. So yeah, I mean, I just, I, I have to stop myself from hyping him up too much. Uh, and I just, I guess called him like a Heisman candidate a few minutes ago, but like, I think it's legitimate. I, I think well, it's real. You, you're not exactly out, out on a limb there saying he's a Heisman candidate. If, if you just look at the odds, he, he's right. like what top, top five, top seven. Oh. I know they, they've been bet recently, you know, uh, so they're shifting. Like, I think Quinn Ewers got bet yesterday pretty hard, but I mean, like ultimately 
if you're on a team that's going to play four or five national television games, like it's not like the ACC is not going to put FSU Miami on, on one of its channels. There's not that many good teams in the league that they, they have to put somebody on TV for ratings. The, the Clemson game, you know, first round and, and potentially the second round as well of, of Clemson, in addition to LSU, which is a standalone game that should do a huge number. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if he balls out in those games, he's going to get the national exposure to get votes, especially with a team that has a win total as high as it is. You, you mentioned the supporting cast. How much do you read into FSU uh, kind of letting Treshawn Ward walk? It, it was a very good back and go to Kansas State, right? Like, does that tell you how much they believe in Trey Benson? As part of the equation, yes. I, I think there's still meat on the bone for Trey Benson in terms of his growth. He ran for almost 1,000 yards last year. He, he set PFF's mark for missed tackles force per carry, whatever metric that PFF uses for that, like in, in their last five or six years. Um, and that was him kind of shaking off some rust a little bit too, as a guy who had a catastrophic knee injury uh, three seasons ago and then two seasons ago, Oregon was kind of, again, shaking that off. And then his past year was really his first real real in-game action of significance. So like, I think a, a big reason for the optimism is in your allocating resources with what uh, the, the battles and FSU's NIL collective did of like retaining guys, right? Like you can only throw so much around. Trey Benson was a priority for them, I, I think, and deservedly so because of what he can be from an NFL standpoint. But yeah, like Trayshawn Ward was a really important back. He, he led the ACC in yards per carry, I believe, the last two years, if not in the top three, like each of the last two seasons. Like Trayshawn Ward's very good. Uh, you saw his value in the Oklahoma game. I think what Trayshawn Ward does so well, but is like when things aren't developing, like he can make something happen, even if it's not always explosive, he, he finds a way. Um with that in mind, like I think the other part of the equation is belief in, in Rodney Hill. And the, for the national audience who's not familiar with him, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, this season, he was a true freshman last year, lower-ranked guy, like a mid-tier three-star, uh, but someone who did very well like in the GPS tracking in the offseason, good explosiveness, looked good in the spring, got progressively better, frankly was maybe the most – uh, explosive back that we saw in practice consistently. Some of that was uh, increased workload because he wasn't practicing or playing as much. So you could practice them more, uh, but we got his chances in the game, but he was really good. So I think as a coaching staff, you look at, okay, do we have one more year of Trayshawn Ward and have to pay a premium for him? Or do we get multiple years of, of Rodney Hill? Uh, because if Rodney Hill doesn't play this season, does he stick around for a third one? I, I don't know. So it's that combination of, Okay, you want to keep Trey Benson uh, as your priority? Makes total sense. He, he is a, a stud, someone who probably should rush for about 1,200 yards this year if things go, go as planned. Uh, but Rodney Hill is an important part of the offense moving forward. Lawrence, Lawrence Toffoli is a nice like supplementary piece, skill, gadgety guy. Uh, and so that becomes your nucleus for your running game. And I, I just I, I like the balance. I like the different options they have there. Rodney actually reminds me a lot of Trayshawn Ward and how he – and how he carries the ball, how he how he runs as a, as a back. So yeah, man, and the running back group uh, sipping on the Kool Aid there. It should be a really good group. And of course, those running backs get to benefit from the fact that defenses do have to account for Jordan Travis's legs yeah. on on pretty much every snap. Which is you know it's kind of like, like an extra half blocker uh, in the scheme if, if you want to kind of term it that way. Mm-hmm. Last year, receiver did take a massive step forward. Johnny Wilson was was a big hit. Like. His drop rate was 8%, which is still like, I mean, that's going to get him dropped down to the draft if that doesn't, you know, get fixed. Because like mm-hmm. you said, like they, the NC State game, it's basically not all on him, obviously, because the offensive line had, had plenty of struggles and 
defense couldn't figure out how to start, stop a glorified running back uh, in the second half when uh, when Devin Leary went down for the Wolfpack. But his ability to be what a top top twenty, top ten receiver t- type area last year, despite the drops, is really pretty impressive. And then they add. Keon Cohen to Michigan right. State. So I, I know you love playing Byer Sinone. I, I want to play Byer Sinone here. All right. Byer Sinone, Keon Coleman is FSU's number one receiver this year. All right. Not, well, I guess it depends when this airs, right? But yeah. uh, uh, I'm going to buy it. Okay. And when when we do our 40 most important player countdown, which is just a good way to get through the summer, as well as a good exercise of like reflecting on the roster, I think I had Keon Coleman – uh, I had Keon Coleman at fifth. I had Johnny Wilson at fourth, but like they're tiered up the exact same. And I think uh, Keon's going to do more from a stat standpoint because I think his game's a little bit more well-rounded. Whereas Johnny Wilson to this point, and again, I don't want to set ceilings on guys because they keep running through them uh, the last you know year and a half or so, or a season and a half or so. But Johnny Wilson, more of the deep, you know, not speed guy because he's not super fast, but he's a strider. And so he's one of the best deep threats in the country because if you get him one-on-one, he's going to be able to get enough separation and then have that catch radius at 6'7 to be able to go up and get the ball and win it. Uh, Keon Coleman, I think, can do a little bit more of the dirty work and and does a lot of things really well that Jordan Travis does well. Uh, Running over the middle of the field, he can take the top off the defense, uh, slants, uh, curls, some of the more intermediate stuff that will help Jordan Travis out. So I think they're going to be tiered very similarly with each other it's going to be kind of your preference you want chocolate ice cream do you want strawberry no one really likes vanilla uh it's just going to depend but like both those guys i think are exceptional talents i've seen keon coleman in person a little bit this summer bud has been really impressive uh you understand why he was a commodity in the transfer portal Uh, the fact that fsu was able to find someone who, who in my estimation probably is going to be like a day two draft pick or should be from a talent standpoint that late in the cycle in the transfer portal it's kind of crazy uh, and I think he just totally changes the complexion of of your passing game. So that that was a low point for FSU uh, two seasons ago. Last year, I think we thought it would be better. We didn't know how much better. I speak for both of us there and, and yeah. people covering the team generally. Um, it, it, you mentioned it was an improved group. It had a ton of room to grow, right? And and speaking of right, like now you bring back Winston, right? Like what? That's a wild card for this group because he was probably going to be their best wide receiver before his offseason injury. Like I just, I I don't know what to expect from the passing game other than I expect there to be a ton of options, and I think it's going to be good. You, you mentioned Winston Winston Wright, who I mean was was easily the most proven receiver that they had taken in the portal uh, last year, right? Coming mm-hmm. from West Virginia, he caught know, 60, 70 balls or, or whatever it was, and. I think I'll also return punts for West Virginia for a time. He gets in the car crash, doesn't play last year, uh, did go through spring. Uh, based on what you've seen in spring, like, do you think that he's going to be a player who plays a lot for them, or do you think they're going to play more too tight end? Because like the lack of a proven right. slot, I mean, if we're trying to nitpick this, this, this lineup, I guess the lack of a proven slot, if he's not back, is is maybe one of the areas to nitpick. It'll depend. So when I look at the slot position, yeah, because you lose Micah Pittman, who was fine. He what he did, he did well and helped him win games last year, right? Uh, so Winston Wright, as far as a pure slot receiver, probably projects the most of that uh, from last spring or from this past spring. I think there were moments where you're like, okay, that's you saw why they were so excited about him when he first came to Tallahassee from West Virginia. But I, I think where again I go back to this, I don't, I don't know where to put the ceiling on it. Because when we saw him at the end of 
last season towards practices when he's able to start going a little bit more. Yeah. I was like, I, it just, it, he felt bad. Like I wasn't, yeah, doubts the guy would ever play again. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, and then, and then in the spring, you're like, oh, he'll help you. I don't know to what capacity, bud, but like he looks like he belongs at this level. So what does an extra six months, five months look like? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But he will help them, I think, from the slot. But also the slot's going to be super diverse this year because you're going to have Jaheim Bell. You brought him from South Carolina. He probably will be a guy who plays in the slot some, plays in the backfield, plays a true tight end role, plays like an H-back type of deal. Like he's going to play around different spots, but like he was a prized recruit for FSU in the transfer portal when he was a true tight end or a more pass receiving tight end for South Carolina in 2021, he was one of the more explosive tight ends in the country. So he's going to be used as a sub wide receiver kind of, and then Lawrence to Philly will also occasionally be used as a sub slot wide receiver. So there's three guys I think that you look at like immediately who have a chance there. And I'm not even getting to the depth of like Ja'Kai Douglas. Can you move Darian Williamson around if he's healthy? Like uh, we've been talking about Ken Trump Portier. He, he was probably the, the most consistent wide receiver yeah. in the spring. And he they, may not get a chance to start this year because of what the the depth has has become. They seem really deep at, at the outside receiver. I mean, like inside, I guess, is a little more of a of a question because if Wright's not back, you probably play more two tight end stuff with, with, yeah. with Biscuit and Morlock. I, I I would assume unless unless one of the like the young guys, you know, really steps up to to be a dependable slot. Let's talk O line because like for a long time, O line was just an embarrassment in Tallahassee, kind of from that twenty. 2017 to 2021 range, I guess, like a pretty, like a solid five seasons. They were just, yeah. And eight, 18 might've been the worst of any power five position group. Uh, 18 was a, a, the low point. 18 was depressing. I mean, it was like when, when what's his name went down in practice, it was like, okay, well they're screwed. Like, they don't, they don't have anybody. Yeah. going to play football. They were starting. Arthur, I was thinking about this the other day and FSU fans are going to be like, Arthur Williams, who was a converted defensive tackle like that offseason, was starting for them at guard. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, that was <laughs> just that was not great. Not 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 great. This Which year, appreciate now. So you lose Dylan Gibbons, right? right. Who was like like a was he first team All ACC? Sorry. I think he was second uh, second or first team, but he was an All ACC high end. Guard. Yeah, like a very dependable guy, not like a next. I don't think he got drafted, right? So like ne- next level guy, but like a good college player. Mm-hmm. They get Demetri Emanuel back, speaking of good, you know, like good dependable college players for a, I think a seventh year, thanks to, to the whole you know COVID thing. You get Robert Scott, Murray Smith's back. You lose Jazz and Turrentine, who really wasn't going to play, I don't think, except for the fact that Bless Harris got uh, got hurt in the opening ball game. Bless Harris, a, a tackle they took from from Lamar last year and then they get 
three more transfers in, in Jeremiah Byers, Casey Roddick, and Keandre Jones. It's obvious, like anybody can tell you this, this group is experienced. How good do you think this group can be? What would you say they were last year in a power five standpoint? Like average? Like, I would you, say they're they, like you, you top half, like top oh. half, but not like top half, but like not top quarter, maybe. Okay. There's All like right. what? There's like 60 power, 65 power five teams. So like yeah. I would say they're in that sort of like, I don't know, 25 to 35 range. Okay. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably where I would say too, like in that percentile makes sense. In, in, like you articulated really well for years, like you got to get to average. Like that was that was your baby. And and they I think got I stole that from David Hale because he had huh. he did he did the Wake Forest tracking thing because like he thought the 20, 2012 or whatever year it was with Wake, it was it was hilariously bad. And I was like, I'm gonna use this. He's like, do it. I, uh, I remember talking to someone within the program when they were gonna play Wake Forest this past year on the defensive side of the ball. And they were like, oh, they have all these old offensive linemen and how like difficult that was, even though they didn't have like a bunch of NFL guys this past year, they had veteran offensive linemen who knew what they were doing. And that was a problem for the defensive side of the ball. They were worried about that. Well, FSU now has a bunch of veteran offensive linemen. And, and I think that will provide stability. It raises the floor. Right. Uh, but we were talking about how good it can be. I mean, there's variables to it. Uh, like I, I thought, that bless Harris once he shook off some rust in the spring uh, may have been the best offensive lineman they had, which I wasn't expecting going into the spring. Our exes and old guys like did a good breakdown of him uh, on their channel of what he did in the spring game against Jared verse. And he, he was really good. Uh, Jeremiah Byers, Chris knee isn't allowed to be in the same restaurant as because he it, restraining order. He loves him so much. Like <laughs> there are guys who have like legitimate NFL tools that are expected to start or push for starting reps in what is a, a fairly deep group. And so, yeah, like I think we, I think as we judge this offensive line, but I think like the big, the, the biggest way we're going to be able to, to judge if it's taken the, the leap from no longer being a liability, which it, where it is to average, if it makes that next jump to becoming an asset, it's seen what they do in short yardage situations. Right. And, and FSU had to get, I think Mike Norvell pushed back on it being you know, quote unquote cute um, this past year, but like they did have to get a little gimmicky at times in the red zone. And if you don't have to bank on that all the time, and if you see FSU have success consistently in short yardage situations, then okay. Then, then I think that's how we view it. And I think they have potential to do that at the very least, man, we've seen injuries really derail them at times the last couple of years. I think that gets taken away. Like if Darius Washington is your eighth best offensive lineman, cool. You can win with that. Um, he might even be better than that because he's had a good off season. But the point is like, if, if he's the guy you're relying on to be the guy after the guy, like you're in a great situation. I think that's where FSU is trending towards being a really good one. Maybe even a great situation with depth and take the next step and, and like have a forceful starting five. Yeah. I think that's, that's on the table to discuss it. It's reasonable. And and they should be a better red zone team. If you consider the, the personnel around, like you have, you have a very mobile quarterback who, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a you know, grown man body. Now Benson's a, a, a big back. You have, you know, multiple tight ends that I think you trust in addition to the fact that like your outside guys are, are, you know, physical guys that don't need a whole lot of space uh, in which to succeed and it really does come, like for ex, for red zone execution and short yardage stuff. It does come down to, you know, the the offensive line be able to get more push, right? Like, and I mm-hmm. I understand they would bristle at, at the idea of getting cute, but 
it's somewhat to their credit that they were able to find ways to trick people when they couldn't just block them straight ahead. Like what's the alternative, not getting cute and getting your brains, like, like your brains bashed in. So I, I yeah, I, I, that's definitely an area. I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that. I was going to actually didn't have it on my sheet, but I, I should have asked you about it. Like that's the short yardage stuff for sure. And I think there'll be something telling. I have a question I ask at the end of the show always uh, that okay. if the offensive line is not the answer for it is generally a surprise. Let's flip on over to defense here. Uh, last year, defense commonly had him 35th. I had him a little bit lower than that. I know you and I have disagreed about, like, I kind of like, look, they played a whole bunch of, you know, really kind of sketchy or hurt or hurt back, like either backups hurt guys or hurt backups down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like they did do to those backups what Weird an improving space. defense would do, right? right. You, you, you think it's just sort of, there's kind of the covariance question that I think they'll have a chance to answer on night one. Like, can they be good against good, you know? We'll see. To your credit, uh, the kid who was the backup in the bowl game for Oklahoma, I don't know if I bet you found Paul in draft stuff, uh, at right tackle is actually getting some draft uh, yeah. buzz. Yeah, from... Um, People were freaking out because he handled Jared Verse fairly well. Even he whipped Jared him Verse on some place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jared Verse did have some big plays, too. But they um, went back and forth. Like, it was a good yeah. battle, you yeah. know? Yeah, Verse, Verse got, got after him, too. It was uh, Jim, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Nagy. Yeah, right. Senior bowl guy. Senior bowl. Mm-hmm. He was he was giving him some love. So yeah. um, I remember watching that game and, and then watching after, and I was like, that offense, like if that's your backup offensive line, like come on, like how many power five yeah. teams would have been cool with with that? Um, yeah, we, we did Oklahoma two days ago. Uh, I don't know what order these, in, in which these will be released, but they're like, yeah, we think like two high end tackles, uh, backups. Let's uh, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> so defense returns basically everybody. I mean, you lose Derek McClendon. I'm not going to like like say it's not any kind of loss, but I, I'm not convinced he was going to be a full time starter this year with some of the guys in his heels. And you lose Jamie Robinson in the secondary. It Definitely. is there a part of this defense who I think is a loss, like legitimately mm-hmm. a, a good player who it was a draft pick. Is there a unit on this defense that you think can help it take the next step and just be a dominant force? I think looking at at the composition of the defense I have it in front of me and just the sheer numbers they have on the defensive line they have 16 to 17 scholarship players and about more than half of those guys are proven to some extent or another at at either power five level or high end g5 guys right because they brought in transfers like Braden Fisk uh they brought in uh let's see Daryl Jackson from Miami who had some good moments there uh, Gilbert Edmond was the starter at South Carolina at defensive end. So those are some of the transfer additions in addition to finding a way to retain Fabian Lovett when he's healthy. Like I want to do this project a little bit later on this summer, like go back and watch him against LSU. That was really fun. Like he, yeah. he is a NFL talent. I don't know what round, but like he's an NFL ca- ca- capable player, uh, but he's older now and has some injury issues, but from a, from a, like, there's shades of Timmy Jernigan there, not comparing him to Timmy directly, but like there's that I will I will flip you over and th- toss an offensive lineman around and, and be dominant. Um, but you got him, you got Josh Farmer who ha- is ascending. Daniel Lyons was actually the highest graded defensive lineman they had, and, and had to play like against Wake a good deal. He had to play against Oklahoma a good deal. He, he was the highest rated I think actually entire one of anyone on the defense last year as a true freshman. Patrick Payton, all ACC returning, uh, all ACC. Uh, rookie of the year returning. So I mentioned all these names and there's others like Dennis Briggs situationally, Malcolm Ray situationally who have, who have value. Uh, the defensive tackle group 
had issues last year and was supposed to be a strength. Well, Robert Cooper plays with with basically one arm all season. Fabian Lovett plays for only half of a season. Uh, some of their reserves were, were dinged up and not 100%. And, like, that's going to happen on the defensive line, right? Like, in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, like, guys are going to get hurt. Uh, what's your insurance policy? And that's why I'm optimistic on the offensive line. Conversely, it's why I'm optimistic on the defensive line as well. Well, not conversely, but, like, on the other side of the ball. Um, I, I like the versatility of that group a lot. I like uh, that they can probably toy around with different fronts and go bear and go Oki and go like just standard four man stuff. Like you're going to be able to be versatile and, and mix it up. And it'll be the most talented on paper group that, that Adam Fuller has had in his time here. Like what he does with it, can he unlock like every single matchup possible uh, to really maximize this group? Like that, that's going to be how we, we judge him with his full caliber of players this year. Um, have I talked about Jared verse yet? Uh, no. Well, we talked about <laughs> how he had a battle with, with the Oklahoma okay. uh, offensive tackle. But, like, he's – that's a, a probable day one, maybe, like, early day two guy. But he's a top 40 draft pick. Uh, I think some early draft odds had him as, like, a probable top 10 pick uh, if he ascends. And, like, getting him back was a huge deal. I do have questions, bud, about the the, at, the depth at defensive end at edge rusher. But, like, I feel like Jared Verse is a premium player at a premium position that you know what you're getting with him. Uh, yes, losing Derek McClendon hurts a little bit uh, from a depth standpoint because you knew what he was. He was solid. You're going to rely on guys like Byron Turner or Jaden Jones if he gets healthy to kind of take another step forward. But I think you have enough bodies who do – guys who do different things well enough to where you can kind of mask that a little bit as long as the, the depth doesn't get into too much uh, from from an injury standpoint. So I, I think the defensive line in general, it's a long-winded way of me saying, like, I think that's the group that can – if healthy – if they hit their potential, like that's what's going to give them a chance to play in the playoffs. Like that's the one on that side of the ball that'll help. I, I, I kind of always go through in, in my head, like how I would answer the questions I'm going to ask. I usually ask, like, if this team exceeds expectations by a lot, who's the guy who stepped up and played way better th- than I guess the public would expect him to play? Because I think my answer is in this group, but I'm curious what yours is. <laughs> We're talking about. Are we saying on the defensive side of the ball in general? I think you can go offense too if you want. I, I just, I, I, I was thinking about this group and it kind of, kind of brought it up in my head. The question. Yeah, better than. I mean, <laughs> I can go with uh, so many, like a handful of guys. Like looking at, like I think Shaheem Brown is one who comes to mind. Uh, we can go back to defense line, but I think Shaheem, like uh, safety depth is shaky. We mentioned the loss of Jamie Robinson from a talent standpoint. Shaheem Brown has a lot of it. He was a for the national audience. Like he was a your third safety pretty much. He allowed you to move Jamie Robinson into the box and be an effective blitz, blitzer last year. Uh, Shine Brown like has a ton of, of physical tools. For him, it's about like consistency, maturity, those type of things entering year three now at Florida State. He was kind of pushed a little bit in the spring, but uh, like by, by the coaching staff of like saying, hey, there has to be urgency. You have to practice every single day with consistency uh, to be the guy because it's going to be important. Um and he has the ability to do it. I, I think that's like the main thing for me. Like he has a chance to play on Sundays uh, in a year or two, but like he does have to to live up to it. So like that's the guy of like uh, if this defense is going to play, you know, if you had him in the top thirty-five, top forty last year, if they're going to make the jump to top twenty to complement, which should be like a top ten offense, and again give you a chance to be really good. Um, he's the guy who I think unlocks a lot for you, but I'm curious like who on the defensive line, like you're looking at as that kind of X factor. I, I was thinking Pat Payton, like Payton, if, yeah. if, if Pat and Payton plays at like a level that allows him to be like a top four round pick and come out, you know, after just three yeah. years, like 
that's kind of scary because like I think versus the, the floor of verse is a relatively known commodity of healthy. I think the ceiling is still yet to be discovered, mm-hmm. but I'd agree. Uh, I mean, if Peyton, like if you actually, if Peyton and verse stay healthy and Peyton really busts out, then that's, that's a difficult thing for, for opponents to deal with. We won't spend a ton of time on linebacker. You get two like solid to good college linebackers back in, in Deloach uh, and, and Bethune. Is there anybody among the younger guys like, and they basically don't come off the field if healthy. Like, is yeah. there anybody among the younger guys that would actually threaten them, or is just those two and, and hope they stay healthy? Yeah, I mean, I think those are the two. Uh, I know those are the two. I mean, I like DJ Lundy as the third guy. I think he at least established himself as like trustworthy last year. We talked about that going into the year two as a guy who like lost some weight and could be reliable, and he proved to be that. So if you get that from him again, like that that that's a win for you to have three guys at a position where you only really play two at a time. The one I'm going to keep an eye on, like I, they pushed Omar Graham into a, a larger role. Uh, I think that was the reason why they're okay losing Brendan Gant. Uh, and they do like Omar Graham, who's a redshirt freshman. I was like a borderline three, four-star type of guy uh, two classes ago. They, they like him, but like the one who I'm really interested to see, but is, is Blake Nicholson. And he was a four-star recruit yeah. this past year. And you just see him in person. Like he's built like with the frame that it looks a little different than what they've brought in at that position group recently. He, he can hit, he can run. He is making a really big jump from a small classification in California to power five level, but uh, he's someone I want to keep an eye on. And, and like one of the few guys, my, I think my eyes are going to gravitate towards when we get to, to preseason camp to see like, okay, are, are those tools transferable, like close to instantly? In the secondary, they were, I don't know how you want to grade. Okay. At times last year, decent at times. And then sort of like, they did not allow a lot of explosive plays to yeah. their credit for the most part. You can probably actually think of the explosive that they actually add in the uh, in the year, but they weren't dominant uh, to be sure against the, the better quarterbacks they faced. At, at times they got carved. At times that I think they kind of just allowed what you'd maybe expect them to allow. Um, you lose Jamie Robinson. We talk Shaheem Brown. Is there a guy in this group that because everybody else is back? Yeah. Is there a guy in this group? Well, I guess Marion Cooper went to Colorado, but he didn't really play much last year and was you know injured. I think at times. He, he was for the like he was if anyone's like done a Colorado um, episode on this like he was I think other than Derek McClendon like I think he's the one that hurt a little bit and they wish yeah. they kept because they liked what he was going to do at safety, um, and I think that's, that's I mean we can go there with that question like safety I'll, I'll ask the question like I asked earlier where's the spot in this team when you watch and you're like all right it's not that the backups suck or that they'll never be ready like to, you know eventually in their careers but got to stay healthy here because the backups are not ready to play. Yeah. this year it, it it is safety um it, it is safety for a variety of reasons uh the defense didn't lose much but the best player lost was jamie robinson uh because he was a really good college player um like looking at the depth like i got the number of the scholarship chart pulled up in front of me here we got akeem dent who like at this point i think we know what he is he, he is a borderline replacement level safety when he's playing well like above that when he's playing poorly it's below that uh, he's not always super consistent. Shaheen Brown mentioned him earlier. And after that, man, it's like it's two freshmen and, and KJ Kirkland who they like and Conrad Hussey who they like. But like, I don't know. Those are true freshmen. And then Ashlyn Barker, the, the Juco guy, was kind of a flyer, but like saw him in person. Like, okay, yeah, he's legit 6'3, 200 pounds. We'll see what that looks like uh, with pads on. But like, as far as guys who you know can play that position, you, they didn't hit in the transfer portal at safety. It ended up being a really weird market. Uh, at safety because you kind of expected that to be one. Oh, you can find a replacement level like third safety guy at any point 
it didn't really happen. <laughs> and like the guy they were close with, um, Keys, can't remember the first name, but you Went from UAB. And, yeah, ended up going to Alabama. Yeah. Okay, you lost you lost out to Alabama for for a, a backup safety. Is how like Alabama's going to use them, and and probably he was going to be your your third safety as well. But like there just weren't a lot of options out there. So I say all that to say like right now I don't know who exists. I don't know if anyone's going to show up, you know, in the portal as a grad transfer coming coming in the next couple of weeks or so, but like, it's about time. Like we're late June recording this. I'm not sure when it will air, bud, but like it, it's getting pretty close to, <laughs> to, to the end of, of the deadline to like find someone. Um, so you're probably gonna have to move someone from cornerback to safety at some point in the season, I think is kind of where I'm getting at. Like even just from a depth reliability standpoint. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's not the end of the world necessarily, but like, I don't think it's ideal either because the staff tried to get, a third safety in the yeah. portal and, and didn't. So by their own actions, like it would show like that wasn't the plan and that, and that's where they're at. So yeah, that's a, that's a position group. Like if you get some injuries there, which we saw at the end of last season too, like mind you, like against Florida and against Oklahoma, those, those position, uh, that position group started taking some injuries and, and hits in game. And it got really dicey. Like Cindy Williams had played linebacker for the better half of last season. They had to move him to safety because of injuries against Florida and he misses a, a tackle attempt in Florida, gets back in the game on a long touchdown run. Like that's the kind of stuff. If you're trying to play for a national championship, you can't have your depth go like that all of a sudden. And I think that's if I'm looking at this defense, I'm not overly concerned about anything, maybe other than safety depth. So if they did have to move a guy back to safety, it wouldn't beat the end of the world because they have like I don't know they have a bunch of corners the fan base trust, but they definitely have a, a lot of the corners that just from talking to the staff, we know the staff has decent trust in. They do yeah. get Ventral Cypress in the transfer portal from Virginia. Bernardo Green, I know it's your guy, like played extremely well yeah, like uh, la- last year. keeps getting better. Jerry and Jones, I don't know if he's actually good yet, but he's definitely improved. He's not uh, a liability anymore, which yeah, is... Uh, yeah, yeah. used to get picked on yeah. frequently. And then uh, they, they should have some options at slot. You, you mentioned playing for a national championship. Obviously, due to the blue chip ratio, Florida State didn't make it. Uh, this year, you had the transfers in. They went from like thirty-eight to forty-one. They're they're probably like a full class away from doing that. Mm-hmm. They're clearly like the, now that Caleb Williams and USC made it in. Florida State is the, like the team that I would be most concerned about breaking through the ceiling. You know, Mariota almost did it with Oregon. Deshaun the first time around, you know, with with Clemson. But I look and I'm like, okay, the last four programs to win national titles have averaged seven first round picks in their two deep. Do you think this team is anywhere close to that? Like, no. like I, I listen to you talk, and I'm like, okay, good depth, a lot of good, good players, experienced players. Can they play on the same field as like a Georgia or like Ohio State or Michigan at their ceilings? Like, do they, do they even have half that in the two deep? Like first rounders. I, I mean, Jared Verse is the first one who comes to mind. Uh, Daryl Jackson, uh, if he hits his ceiling, does, but he's a long way off from that. So, so no, like I don't know if they have a lot of, and we'll see how some of these true freshmen, like Lucas Simmons could become that but he's not going to play this sure. year uh he's not gonna be part of the two deep to your point and um, fairness we don't we, we didn't always know exactly who was going first round from those teams too right like i don't know you could have told me justin jefferson was definitely a first rounder you know before 2019 with lsu now he's the best receiver <laughs> in the league i just like are there guys that pop off to you like do they have enough high level talent on this team to be considered a national title contender you, you know what's interesting to me that i like i, I think so and the data that you bring up is like yeah like teams with it, it's legitimate. Like teams with more NFL talent are probably going to be better equipped to win the most important games. On it's the a schedule. tautology, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, but, but like what, 
am curious to see this is like kind of the end of the the COVID era, like of guys getting six, seven years more more consistently. Uh, we've seen that in basketball kind of be a thing, right? And yeah. I understand totally different sports. We've seen like older teams in, in, in college basketball have more success than maybe, you know, like Kentucky you know, 10 years ago was just like, let's just take all the blue chip guys. And yeah, if you can do that, that's the path to do it. That is the optimal like route to do it. This is the potentially like the next best path is like, let's get a bunch of veteran guys, a bunch of experienced players. Let's get depth and, and try to like at the end of the season, have a capable team that's still standing. Cause so much about football is just like who's healthy at the end of the year. Right. Like that, that is a huge sure. part of it. And that's what the depth that you're, you're trying to compile is. So like, I think FSU has a chance to be an outlier. Like if you're trying to look at what their ceiling can be, bud, because they have very few like glaring holes, which is important. They have really good depth across the trenches, which is really important. That's something like the Philadelphia Eagles have been successful in implementing. So you want to be overly confident with the trenches. So they have that. They have a quarterback. Could they beat like a Georgia, a Michigan, an Alabama in a one-off, you know, before they got Keon Coleman, I would have said probably not, or maybe like one out of 10, two out of 10. I think what Keon Coleman does, and, and I know it's a lot to put on one guy, but like he changes the math of like what a defense can do and how you have yeah. to defend this team now with two NFL guys. Like I do think, I don't know if, if Keon Coleman and uh, and Johnny Wilson are day one guys to, to go back to your point, but like they're probably day two guys. Uh, they have that chance. And they have the chance to maybe be day one guys if – if they hit uh, this year, but like they, they will force FSU or they will force opponents who play FSU to respect the passing game at all times. And I think you have an NFL caliber running back in Benson. I think you have a guy who, if he's not NFL caliber quarterback in Jordan Travis, he's at the very least is a, a really high end college quarterback. And so like you have the firepower to give yourself a chance four times out of 10 now against those type of teams, three out of four. Like, I think you have a chance now you have a puncher's chance. If you catch them on the right day, uh, you can do enough to make them uncomfortable. And if your defense is healthy at the end of the year, all the better for it. So yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like the veteran and the, and the depth group, like it might be able to help you uh, increase your chances a little bit. If you get to that point in the season and the playoffs and you're contending against teams with, with more pure raw talent. You mentioned getting to that point. Like the depth obviously will help you get to that point. Mm -hmm. Are they at a roster place now where losing to any non Clemson ACC team is unacceptable? I think with the expectations going into the year, yeah. I mean, things could happen, right? I don't like, mean in perpetuity. Like right. even Clemson loses an ACC game once in a yeah. while now, but like for this season. Like if, if the NC State game happened again, the NC State game from 20. If Jordan stays healthy, obviously. Right. Yeah. There's like yeah. caveats to it. Right. But, but if you have a game where you just kind of like shoot yourself in the foot over and over again, and, and like then, I, then I think that you have enough answers in theory to where that shouldn't happen for the course of a game. Like a couple drives. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You figure it out. But you shouldn't have this level of like vulnerability that we saw, or even like against Wake Forest, man. Like they went with a wide nine defensive line. Darius Washington hadn't played left tackle and hadn't played very well, like, or it wasn't super healthy going up to that point. And, and FSU struggled to adjust for like three series at a time. Like that's the kind of stuff that you can't have if you're trying to, to win enough games to make the playoffs. So like, yeah, you have enough answers now with guys who have experience with the additions you brought in with the development you've done with this coaching staff uh, and continuity you have with the coaching staff to where like, you shouldn't be having like these, these big question marks midway through the season of like, Oh, can, can we, 
this guy play safety for us? Or can this guy be a competent offensive tackle? Like, no, like you shouldn't have those issues. So yeah, to answer your question directly, like I would be concerned if they dropped a game where they just looked super sluggish and did a lot of silly things. I think that would, that would not reflect well on, on Mike Norvell and, and yeah, it's something that can't happen if you're trying to compete for what you think you, you can be competing for this season. All right. We got to talk special teams really quickly. Um, Fitzgerald was for my money, the second worst kicker in the power five last year. And uh, Bill Connolly had their field goal rating at 118th in the country. So okay. uh, pretty, pretty terrible. I mean, eight of 12 on anything under 40 and uh, four of eight on anything 40 plus. I know they went to the portal, like for FSU fans out there, do you think the portal, <laughs> like the, the port, the kicker edition can help? Like, is there actually reason to think Fitzgerald's going to get better? Like, I know guys can get better, and of course, field goals high variance endeavor. So, like guys do have up and down years, but that's a long way to improve to get to even okay. And part of it is like what we saw last year. I think, I mean, if it happens again, so what we saw last year wasn't even just a talent thing. It was like yips. It was mental. It was like go back to the NC State game. Like you probably lose that game because your play calling, or at least in part because of the play calling that that you had to do. Uh, even Wake Forest uh, towards the end of like the second half, there, like you you started rat trapping as a coaching staff a little bit, and you started kind of having to overthink things because you, you didn't trust what your kicker can do, and that was just making like a thirty-five yarder. Like that was stripped away uh, from you at, at times last season, and so like that's where the transfer portal edition of, of Tyler Keltner I think helps out a little bit, bud is like, I don't know if he on, like, I wasn't blown away by either kicker in the spring, to be honest. And I've talked to people on staff, like they, they're confident with it, but uh, you know, I'm not a kicking expert, but I do know if it goes in the upright or not. Yeah, right. Like I, right. I, I do have that ability to, to judge and, and do those things and see those things. And like, but what does, like, if there is a meltdown, if there is a progression where it's even like this fundamental kicking a, a 45 yard or not, like, the basic kicks with, with Fitzgerald. Um, I think at least you have, again, that insurance policy. And so can it not completely get your game plan? And I, I think they probably get to that point where you can trust it to like get to 65, 70% of field goals. And if I you mean, do like that's That'd be a large improvement. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I forget the math like off the top of my head, but like Fitzgerald, like where he was in the middle of the season, he got better at the end of the year, really trust the walk-off field goal against Oklahoma or walk-off but game winning against Oklahoma. He got better to the point where you could at least trust him. And what was he field goal percentage wise? I don't know if you have it in front of you, bud, but like uh, he was let me see. Uh, eight of twelve uh on under forty and four of eight on over forty. So that's uh, that's twelve of twenty. So sixty yeah. percent. Um and he probably got to like 65, 68% by the end of the season, like in that stretch in the final games. That enough to where is it going to cost you a game? I, I don't know. But like you, you can't have your entire game plan go out the window because you can't trust your kicker to make something under 40 yards. Like exactly. You can't. Yeah. Brennan, really appreciate the time today. Everybody needs to check out Knowles 24-7. We have the QR code. I'm pointing the wrong direction. Got the QR codes this year. So if you guys are watching us on the YouTube and go right to the site, you guys do a tremendous job. I mean, just constant content, accurate content. You guys, like, break all the news in the market. So other than that, I mean, you know, there's a lot for you guys to work on. <laughs>
they, they have to deal with my personality sometimes, which can be a little grating. But other than that, that's the price you pay, guys. That's yeah, but like hey, cre- creativity comes with it, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a tortured soul. What can I say? <laughs> All right, man.